A great philosopher of the internet once said, Always be yourself. Unless you can be Batman. Always be Batman. While neither of us are Terry McGinnis and will likely never be Batman, we can live vicariously through him in his many comic adventures. Welcome to Bat Books for Beginners. My name's Dylan. And I'm John. Today we have episode 134 of Batgirl, A Night Alone. And we'll dive right into the summary here. Having lost her power to read combatants intuitively, Cassie Kane trains heavily with Batman but fails to dodge a single blow from the Caped Crusader. Batman tells Cassandra that if she trains hard, she will be ready to return as Batgirl in one year. Depressed by being unable to fight crime, she goes out to eat where she spots Lady Shiva about to assassinate a target. Kane jumps in front of the target and does the only thing she knows will stop Shiva, challenge her to a fight. Shiva defeats Kane, chastising her for not using her lethal fighting techniques. Shiva incapacitates and knocks Kane unconscious, but leaves behind her pearl bracelet. Cassie wakes up in the back of an, an ambulance, grabs her backpack, and proceeds to track down Lady Shiva. During their first fight, Cassie had a flashback to her first kill as a child. Kane finds Lady Shiva and asks her to teach her how to read body language again. Shiva agrees, but with the stipulation that Kane has to fight her in a duel to the death at the end of one year. Kane mulls on this, and after another disappointing training session with Batman, she, he goes off to confront David Kane, Cassie's father, trainer, and world-renowned contract killer, over the death of two GCPD officers last year. While there, he finds the tapes of David training Cassie as a child. Batman and David fight. Meanwhile, Cassie meets up with Shiva and agrees to the training. When both Batman and Cassie return to the Batcave, Cassie challenges Batman to a fight, demonstrating her skill and winning back the mantle. In Gotham, a very large man who has been fired from his job storms his boss's office, but only to read a written apology for his past issues and beg for his job back. The large man is dragged out by security. That night, he goes to shoot his former boss, but Batgirl steps in to stop him. She dives in between the large man and his victim, getting grazed across the scalp by the bullet. While Batgirl is down on the ground, the large man proceeds to shoot his boss and attempt suicide, only to realize that he is a metahuman and cannot die. Cassie recovers and knocks out the metahuman, but the failure takes its toll on her. When Barbara tries to get Cassandra to go out for the evening, she refuses, saying that she needs to train. David Kane, now in the hospital after the brutal justice dispensed by Batman, breaks free and goes back to his safe house, which has been raided by the police, and his tapes of Cassie's training as a child have been placed into evidence at the GCPD. He breaks into their headquarters to steal them back, but is stopped by Batgirl. Batgirl sees what is on the tapes, and in a moment of pity, lets Kane leave with them. After a tie-in issue with the Officer Down story that we'll be covering in two months, we pick back up with a trained sniper being interrogated by his government handlers. He recounts being cornered by government agents when a young woman, Cassie, uncowled, defeats the agents and assists the sniper in escaping. Back in the present, Cassie once again rescues the man and gives him forged documents, letting him start a new life. He asks why she is helping him, and she recounts seeing him being chased by the agents and that he jumped over a child in his path while the rest of the agents trampled him. Back in the government agent's office, it is revealed that they have captured Cassie on video. They believe her to be a metahuman, but a researcher points out that the only thing off about her is that she has high serotonin levels. They run her face through every database, but are unable to find her identity. Back at Barbara Gordon's place, Barbara chastises Cassie for going out unmasked, stating that now Cassie will never have the opportunity to have a normal life, which Cassandra shows no interest in having. Cassie goes to bed, but is awakened by Batman, who takes her to a, a, the safe house of, the mer of a mercenary group, and reveals that the, men, the man she rescued was murdered by these men after she left him. Batman lets Cassandra loose on them, and she beats the group to a bloody pulp. Batman takes her to a cave, and reveals that it is one, one that Batman had prepared for her to use as a headquarters. He tells her that she must now live there, as her presence at Barbara Gordon's place would put Babs at risk. And that's the end of the story. So, that leads us directly into Education Alley. Which... Educationally. Which, yeah, which for this podcast is a new segment we uh, did 
debuted it on a on a different recording for Arc Reactions podcast, but this will be the first time here we've uh, called it Education Alley. Yeah, so interesting little tidbits of information, talking things, uh, vocabulary words you may not word. Be sure uh, may not word. <laughs> you may not know. Yeah, thank you. Uh, vocabulary words you may not know. My brain shut off for a second there. The first one we have is Aikido. So Aikido is often translated to the way of the unifying with life energy, or the way of the harmonious spirit. Morihei Yushiba's goal was create an art that practitioners could use to defend themselves while also protecting their attackers from injury. Aikido techniques consist of entering and turning movements that re- redirect the momentum of an opponent's attack and throw the, or joint lock that terminate the technique. So basically it's a non-violent martial arts, more in the way of disabling your opponent without injuring them. Yeah, it's very defensive, which I know most martial arts are supposed to be defensive, but we often see them used offensively as well. Yeah, Aikido is very much a defensive art. As it's as we said there, it's mostly you know joint locks and disabling and throwing to get your opponent off of you. Yeah, and hopefully get them to give up. Yes. Uh, the next one we have, so basically we had two bookends here from Batman's uh, training hollow that he gave Cassandra at the beginning of the story. The first one being Aikido, and the last one being Yayan. Yayan, also called the Dance of Death, is a Filipino style of kickboxing developed by Napoleon A. Fernandez. Since its inception in the 1970s, it has dominated the kickboxing scene in the Philippines and has proven very effective against other stand-up fighting arts. Yayan closely resembles Muay Thai, but differs in the hip-torquing motion as well as the downward-cutting nature of its kicks, and the emphasis on delivering attacks from long range, while Muay Thai focuses on more on clinching. Muay Thai is, of course, uh, was it like the, it, it's, it's all about elbows and knees. I really don't know. I know a couple of people oh. have taken it, but I never uh, inquired as to how it differs from other martial arts. Yeah, it, it's a lot of knee and elbow strikes. And it says clinching, so that makes sense. Yeah, getting really close up to them so they can't lash out at you and just beat them down with knees and elbow strikes. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, Yayan has gained considerable criticism due to its cult-like rituals such as branding of the chest. For a hybrid sport that was created in the modern contemporary era, the rituals are very unnatural and very artificial compared to cultural norms existing in the Philippine society. That's kind of weird. Branding? Ugh. Yeah, the the article, I got that from Wikipedia, the article went further to, to basically say that he was trying to recreate sort of the um, lifestyle nature of some of the more ancient martial arts, um, uh, when really that part has kind of gone away for a lot of them. Yeah, and yeah, that's, that still seems kind of insane. It's a very, you know, having a cult of martial arts is kind of crazy kind of scary i'm pretty sure batman and cassandra don't have uh branded chests. Chest. no well probably not but you know next one we have is from issue 11 we have the bosque language which is a guard for Cain and while he was in the hospital the bosque are an indigenous ethnic group who primarily inhabit an area traditionally known as bosque country a region that is located around the western end of the pyrenees on the coast of the Bay of Biscay, and straddles part of north-central Spain and southwestern France. The language is unrelated to Indo-European, so they are believed to have occupied Europe before the Indo-Europeans arrived. They have been on the Iberian Peninsula for more than 7,000 years. Only 27% of the Basques speak the language. The current Basques. The current Basques. It's kind of interesting, you know. They probably, you know, as we mentioned here came before the Indo uh, Indo European uh, settlers, and then just kind of you know incorporated. I would say it's kind of akin to uh, immigrants here to the United States. Their parents may speak whatever language they came from, but the kids often don't learn it well enough to really speak it. But it's interesting; it's the other way around, though. <laughs> well, no, I'm saying the the Bosques, since the Spain and France have uh, arisen as countries. They're probably more likely to speak Spanish and French yeah. and less likely to speak Basque because it's only a traditional language. But it's still interesting, almost 30% of current Basques speak the language. I mean, it is a small percentage, but it's still a pretty large percentage, too, considering. Yeah, I'm sure that has to do with trying to keep their culture alive in their small little area. Yeah. Oh, uh, next one. <laughs> uh, related to Bosque, uh, Bilbao, Spain is mentioned, um, where there was a, an assassination with David Kane's uh, modus operandi. 
this is the capital of the province of Biscay in the western part of the uh, Basque country. Uh, it is the largest city in Basque country and the 10th largest city in Spain. That's pretty big. Yeah, and I think they said the um, municipal area, or what's the word I'm looking for? It's not municipal. The, so the When you have a city and surrounding community. Oh, uh, metropolitan. Metropolitan, yeah. The, the metropolitan area, I think they said, was the fifth largest in Spain. So the there's more people who live outside of the city compared with some of the other larger cities in Spain, I guess. So it would jump from 10th to 5th. Um, but that's all we had for Education Alley. We'll now uh, wander into the talking points. And as always, we start off with our bad things. Just you know, get those out of the way, things we didn't like about the story. We'll then move on to our good things and then just general discussion points. We're going to start off with the Mrs. Male slash dive staff counterpart trope that is Cassie Kane. Is The question is, is Batgirl the Miss Male Batman? Is she just a female Batman? So, I mean, there's a lot of similarities. They both have suffered a tragedy as a child. Mind you, it was a different tragedy. Um, yeah, it is a, a little bit different. Uh, Batman, of course, lost his parents, as, as most people know. Uh, and Batgirl, or for Batgirl, Cass- Cassandra Cain, it was the murder of that man that we see in in the film in this story, and we saw in in No Man's Land, I believe. Yeah, uh, where, under the tutelage of David Kane. That also relates to the failure motivates her to never let it happen again. Which Batman, of course, was his parents. For Cassie, as we cover in the story, the metahuman, primarily being the big one, because she tried to make to stop that and was unsuccessful, and. Uh, to a degree, the sniper. I mean, you know, she she did save him, and then he got got anyway. Yeah, that that one a little bit less so because it was out of her control at that point. It was yeah. a little bit more in her her control when she was trying to stop the metahuman because she was physically there. Then of course, both refuse to kill, and both hide things from their allies. She Cassie hides a lot from Barbara and Batman. Yeah, I mean. So it, 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 there's a very compelling argument that they just mismailed Batman there. Batgirl. Well, that, yeah. Or, yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess which, way, which way you look at it, they, could, they made a mismail Batman. Yeah. So, or they mismailed the, the character of Batgirl. Yeah, so I mean, I, that's, that's definitely a bad point. Yeah, one more thing I wanted to add to that. I feel like this characterization is strictly in the Batgirl book. I do not feel like she was Miss Mail in No Man's Land, which is where we first met her. I feel like she was much more her own character and uh, an ally of Batman and similar to Batman in the way that, you know, Nightwing is similar to Batman and uh, um, Robin is similar to Batman and Barbara Gordon when she was Batgirl is similar. But she was she had her distinctive personality. She had her d- distinctive methods and they've kind of turned her more into Batman I would I feel like in yeah. her her own title. I agree and that's that's kind of a shame because we both really enjoyed her in No Man's Land. Not we had our issues with her 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 initial story we did last time. Yeah, and I, we'll touch more on that later um when we talk about the character progression cuz I I feel like my thoughts on it have changed a little bit. Okay. Um but I I'm still I still have my reservations. Um, is there anything more you wanted to say about Miss Mail? No, I mean, uh, it, it's definitely a trope worth looking up. It's interesting to read up on tropes, at least for me. So uh, definitely worth looking up. Uh, next thing we have is David Kane in our bad points. It, his use in the story just wasn't very good. He, he had very little part for as big a part as he played, you know, in the in in the history of Batgirl. Yeah, I feel like he was much more. Um effective before it just it seems like he was kind of bumbling in this and i really didn't like that portrayal of him he didn't i mean you you see at one point when batman is is uh there in his compound and about ready to to lay the beat down on him he says i thought you were this great um uh trainer or uh, mentor or 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 whatever and now I just see that you kind of lucked into this and you're really just a psychopath. And it's like, you're really devaluing this character. Yeah, he went from being like a world-renowned assassin to just a guy who got lucky. And that could be an interesting story, a, a villain who just kind of gets lucky into his way of assassinating major world leaders. But that's not David Kane. That's not, you know, the character. And to change him, what seems like halfway through a story about him, and, and you know, or the, at the very least heavily uses him, it seems, it seems like bad writing. 
Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. In this story, he was manipulated into an interaction with Batgirl midway through the story strictly for her benefit. Now, we often see this in reverse, yeah. where a female character is manipulated just to have an effect on the male character. They're often called fridging. Yeah. Um, and it seems like we almost kind of got that with David Kane in this. Kind of, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's not quite fridging because it's not the, the abuse of a female character for the motivation of a male character. Uh, well, but it is almost like an inverse fridging, like it, you said. Almost, except he's not... He's not uh, injured, maimed, killed, or anything like that. No, he's just kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm here. I've got, I have to have my tapes. I need my tapes so I can hold on to her. It, it seemed very weird. I very- mean, we have some characters that that are like that. That are like, I need my this. I mean, we have it with yeah. Two Face with his with his coin. Um, we we have it somewhat with the Riddler with his riddles. Yeah. Um, do we really need another one? No. I mean, we we have a pretty far reaching in Batman's. And, I mean, yeah, a lot of these are, are D-list villains, but, you know, you have this already. Calendar Man, obsessed you know, with calendars. One of my favorites that I know you don't like, the ventriloquist. Uh, Gotta yeah. have his dummy. But the dummy's the bad guy. I know. But but really, <laughs> yes, while the, the dummy is kind of the villain in, in the Batman stories, the guy with his hand in the dummy is the one who's who needs his de- dummy. Yeah. So yeah, not a fan of that villain at all. But yeah, it's it's just another obsessive compulsive villain for Batman. That's about the last thing he needs. Now you thought Batgirl didn't seem to recognize him in that final yeah, fight. So in the final fight, I don't know. He she looks at the tapes, gives the tapes back to him after he begs for them. Says I just, I need them. They're all I have left. He apologizes as he leaves, and she says bye, and waves. That's it. See, I, I didn't see it that way. The way I, that I saw it was that she thought he had done something horrific and she was going to capture him and put him in jail or Arkham or, or wherever. And then through seeing that he had taken the tapes and him in saying that he didn't kill anybody this time, she realizes and takes pity on him and lets him go. That's how I saw it. I don't know. It's, I mean, there was... The thing is, uh, she's behind a mask that completely <laughs> covers her face. And there's no way she can be expressive. You can't use the expressive face. And that's a shame because the way she's drawn is very expressive. Yeah, and we'll touch more on that uh, in, the in good a little points, bit. Yeah. yeah, But when you have a character who's very expressive, who can't really use words and have very truncated thought bubbles, you know, you're taking away their means of expression. Yeah, and you feel like that made this scene more difficult to follow for yeah, you? Yeah, it, it made it less immersive. Made it, made it, Like I said, to me, it almost seemed like she didn't recognize him. She punches him a few times and then lets him go after he begs for his tapes. Yeah, I can definitely see how not having not seeing what her jaw and mouth are, are doing um, during eyes. that. Well, yeah, I guess she doesn't even have eye holes, yeah. Um, although a lot of t- uh, with the, most of these characters, their eyes are just white spots, so you really have to go with how open or closed they are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just not having anything to really read her uh, facial expressions can be difficult to determine her motivations. I just took it as um, she thought he had done something bad based on her knowledge of him in the past, and and then once she realized that he hadn't, she took pity on him because he was obviously very upset about those tapes yeah and, and let him go because he hadn't done anything and i i definitely agree that she to me it appeared like the reason she let him go is because he's very upset about the tapes but like i said it's just it, it the, that scene was hard for me to follow as far as character progression and character development goes yeah and that's another point that we maybe kind of already touched on but i just wanted kind to of did, yeah. uh, i just wanted to, to to press it home is is that that really detracts from David Kane because he's reduced to just caring about the tapes and not having any other or purpose in this story. And it's a shame because we've seen him be a much better character in the past. Yeah. And when you really flesh out a character and then completely change them, you know, in this in the span of like a couple of comic books, it just feels disingenuous. Feels like you're not utilizing the character. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. Um, that was our last bad point, so we'll move on here to our good things. Very um, happy. <laughs> the first thing we had is uh, Batgirl's motivation. So Batgirl's motivation is, John said, she chooses to be great for a year and possibly die in the fight with Shiva over being an average superhero for a lifetime. 
So this is of course spawns from when she asked Batman how good until how how long until she's ready. He says within a year. She says no. How long until I'm as good as you? He says like a decade. I think. Yeah, I think he said ten years. So she she's willing to you know uh, get trained by Shiva to be able to utilize her powers again as she had in the past under the stipulation that it's going to be a there's going to be a death match at the end of the year. Yeah, and she's very clear in her thinking that she will die at that point because she's unwilling to kill Lady Shiva. Yeah, and she's she's really diving throwing herself into that I won't kill mindset of Batman, which is kind of cool and interesting to see for a character. Yeah, and we'll touch more about uh how we felt about Batman later uh in our talking points and I want to come back to that because okay. um yeah, there's there's stuff there's things I want to say about that, but I'll I'll hold <laughs> off on that. All right. Um, also, I, this one kind of it was difficult for me that the one we were just talking about as far as was this good or bad in my opinion, and obvi- obviously we'll have to wait and see how it plays out in a year whenever that comes around in this comic. I mean, as we know with the sliding time scale, that could be many years from now in this comic. It could have never happened because New Fifty Two. Yeah, that that's possible too. I don't know. Just the that idea of of being needing to be that needing to be the best is is intriguing. Yeah, I it, mean the, the idea of of being trained by Lady Shiva and then you know expecting to die in a year, I wasn't too thrilled with. But the idea of, of going to that length because you need to be the best was intriguing to me. Well, and this this didn't show up in the story, but I read it up on it. That's that's Cassie's mom. Spoilers. Oh uh, yeah, spoilers for a multiple year old comic book story. Yeah, I, I had not read up on it, so, so I didn't know that. So what it is is Cassie is the is Kane's daughter, Kane and Shiva's daughter. Basically, Kane wanted to raise a child to be an assassin, but he figured he needed the right genetic line, so he. He had a child with Shiva. That's their daughter. That is just messed up to do that to your own kid. Yeah, and that's even well, that's what's even more twisted. So you factor that in, it's even more dark of a story. Um, and that, you know what? Thinking about that, that could explain his wanting to have the tapes. Yeah, that that makes it a little little more understandable. But we don't have that information. Yeah, right now. at this point, this is all after the fact that I, I read up on this. But yeah, so she maybe that's an out. You know, Shiva finds out that that's her daughter, or knows that's her daughter. But yeah, I don't know. It's just it's it's a very compelling thing, and you see that a lot with uh, at least uh, sports people, people in sports. Uh, Richard Sherman up here for the Seattle Seahawks always talk about he's got to be the best, got to be the greatest. Yeah, that is definitely a, a motivating factor for a lot of professional athletes. Yeah, so you got to think that maybe that's you know that same kind of mentality there. I mean, it would make sense. Basically, instead of channeling that into sports, they're channeling that into crime fighting. Yeah. So kind of an interesting angle, if you think about it. <laughs> now, now you you mentioned the tapes with Kane. Um, her motivation for letting Kane go, that was uh, that one I didn't quite understand. <sighs> Me either. And that, that goes back to, like, why I, why I was confused by that scene. I, I mean, it... I, I rationalized it myself as he, she took pity on him because he really was kind of sad in that uh, scene. But I don't know that that's exactly the case. You know, maybe she knows it's her father. I mean, I don't know that she knows. Yeah, I don't know. And that, and that's why that's what left me confused about that scene is because it didn't seem like she recognized him. And it was just really weird for me. I was like, why, though? This doesn't make sense. Yeah, hopefully that's followed up on uh, in the next arc. Yeah. Um, another motivating factor for her was the, the woman that she couldn't save from Kenny, who was the metahuman. Who didn't know he was a metahuman. Yeah, he didn't know at that time that he was. Um, he shortly found out. Yeah, when he uh, put the gun to his head and pulled the trigger, he found out. Seems to me you'd kind of figured out your skin was in, in uh, unbreakable before then. Yeah, I don't know. It It's... <laughs> Maybe he just led a privileged life where he never really, you know, had that. Never cut himself shaving and never wondered why? No. I mean, you know, if you never cut yourself shaving before, maybe you're saying, oh, man, I'm really good at this. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that that's a motivation that I really did like is that she she failed. Yeah, she and, faced a failure, a, a big failure. 
And, and what's interesting is this was after she made the deal with Lady Shiva. Um, I th- I got confused the first time I read this. I thought we were dealing with a flashback. I didn't realize at that point that uh, this was after the the Lady Shiva because the beginning of that scene reminded me a lot of No Man's Land. Yeah, um, a, a scene we saw there with her just you know knocking out thugs randomly in the city. So I thought maybe it might have been a flashback that we were getting more information from. But the second time I re- read read through, I, I figured out that it was after she'd done her training with Lady Shiva, and. Um, it seems to me like if that scene had happened before she had her training with Lady Shiva, it would it would lend more understanding to her decision in the Lady Shiva scene. You know, I hadn't thought about that, and I, I 100% agree with you there. It would have, you know, or maybe she was still trying to decide if she wanted to train with Lady Shiva, because there was a period there where between when Lady Shiva offered and Cassie accepted. It wasn't immediate. It, it was, but the the way that she, she, tr- she handled this encounter she had her her reading ability yeah so it was uh, it was pretty clear to me that this was she was back to being the batgirl that we were originally introduced to i see i I think that you could have had her not have her reading ability just saw and you could have just played the scene out differently a little bit yeah i mean this scene she doesn't necessarily need to have her reading ability but it was very clear that she did yeah but that's what i'm saying if she didn't have her reading ability yeah, let's just let's just rewrite this scene right here. Okay, we're she, we're uh, we're rewriting the story in a, the way we think it. Oh should no, have gone. just theoretically, just for <laughs> for sake of argument, we rewrite the scene where she jumps in front of the gun, gets shot across the head as she did without having a reading ability. She just jumped at the right time because she's Batgirl. Come on, the guy shoots the lady and then finds out he's a metahuman. That would be so much more impactful, and having her decision to be trained by Shiva, it make even more of an impact on the character, I think. It would have been a much more impactful, powerful statement. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. That that would give an, give her a very deep motivation to, to choose that one year over mediocre for a lifetime. And then it's just, it, it becomes, oh, she failed. That's a motivation for the character, but it's not that deep of a motivation. It doesn't feel nearly as deep. I mean, it still it still is a good motivation to me. Um, obviously, we have a little problem with it's a little too close to Batman, um, yeah. or a factor towards her being a little too close to Batman. But it's still a great motivation to have. I, I still, I still want that in my heroes. I want them to be frustrated when they fail. Yeah, I don't want them to go. Oh well, I'll get the next one. Yeah, I agree with you there. But you could have. It could have been so much more of a impactful moment than it was. Now, to, the inverse of that is that could be. Part of the reason that Cassie was given, you know, Batman basically investing more heavily in her or having faith enough to give her her own Batcave is that she suffered a tragedy. I don't think he's aware of that, though. No? I mean, he's Batman. Yeah, but... Barbara knew about it. Did she? Yeah. Hmm. I I didn't catch that, but... Yeah, she even said... uh, This is me pulling from memory, so forgive me if I'm incorrect, but she even said, you know, after... That let's go do something normal tomorrow, like go see a movie or something. And then she said, Cassie replied, no training. Yeah, I guess that makes more sense when, when, as to why she would phrase it that way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it didn't, uh, I don't know how she learned. Well, it's, it's Oracle. Exactly. Which is weird how I, I, I'm not okay with that with Batman, but I am okay with that. (laughs) I was about to point that out. Like, it's Batman. You're saying that if Oracle knows that she's not going to share it with Batman, because this is Batman's protege at this point. Yeah, but again, Batman doesn't share everything with his allies. His allies don't always share everything with him. Yeah, but I think that something as big as a as that happening, a metahuman coming up for murder charges, that would have been on Batman's radar. Yeah, possibly. So yeah, but uh, it also he had built the cave before, before then, and, yeah. so I don't know that that necessarily was a factor. And and just just my thinking and speculation, mind you, maybe he built the cage, then she lost her powers, then he was trying to train her, get her back ready. Then she, quote-unquote, gave it her all, got the training from Shiva. He's like, okay, yeah, she's ready. <laughs> yeah, I think that's more how it went. I think yeah. the cave was already there. I think that was a, a um, uh, one of the caves that he put together after Nightfall. Very well could be. Um, okay, so we'll move on to our, our next point here, which is uh, Batgirl's character progression. And this one, I, I'm including a little bit from the previous story, uh, the, the first trade of the Batgirl series. Which makes sense. Um, so... 
this is how I, I, I saw, saw it going down. So she started as a mute expert fighter, which yeah. is what we saw in No Man's Land and the beginning of, of her series. Yes. Uh, then she loses the predicting ability but gains speech from that guy from the last story. Mind you, her speech is still very truncated and, and broken. Yeah, but it's better than it was. Oh, yeah, of course. It was went from mute to having a few words. I mean, because really she had, what, two words before? Like no and one other word? Yeah, no and stop, I think. Yeah. Um, so so then in this story, she gains back the predicting ability through her training with Lady Shiva. However that is. To me, this accomplishes the same thing as showing her learning with Oracle, which is what I was saying in the last uh, cast, that ha- she could have just spent the time learning... She already had the fighting ability. She could have spent that time rather than training on the fighting ability, training on learning how to read and talk. And we would be at the same point we're at now. I, I, I want to touch on that, and I agree with you. I think they they wrote themselves into a bit of a corner there with the oh, that part of her brain's used for fighting only. You, They wrote themselves into a corner, and they had to you know get out somehow. Type deal. That's what it felt like to me, at least. I, I agree with you. I just... I'm frustrated with how they got out of it. Oh, I'm not disagreeing with you at all on that. I'm just saying that's, in my view, having no industry expertise, no industry experience, never having been a writer, never having been an artist, never having worked in comic books, that's what it felt like to me. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you. Um, And I'm not going to rehash what we said on on the last uh, Batgirl episode, but I just feel like if they'd focused on her training to learn how to read and write, it would have been a much better story for this character, which we'll get to her expressiveness later when we talk about the art. It would have fit well with that aspect of it for her to humanize and train with Barbara, remedial reading training, remedial speech training. Uh, It looks like you want to say something. Yes, but would that make an interesting comic? Would a character learning to read, while it might be an Oscar-worthy performance, not exactly compelling comic book material? For me, it would have. It would have, and and I think it would have been for me. But you're talking about a mass audience, and they're investing in Batman, Batgirl, Robin, et cetera, et cetera, because those characters kick kick butt and take names. And having a character who's learning to read the entire issue or story arc, learning to read, learning to write their name, you know that that might be a little one. One it might be too humanizing. If you catch what I mean in there, um, I do, but I don't agree with it. And mind you, I'm, I I have just said that I agree that it would be very compelling, very interesting mm-hmm. for the character. But playing devil's advocate here, right? Uh, you know, you're, you're talking about a character who you're, you're reading Batman because he's close to human. But let's face it, he's a he, he's not human. There's no human who can learn and master every martial art and blah blah blah. So if you have a character who's having to go through stuff that's extremely arduous and emotionally powerful, but boring because we're talking like what early 2000s here this was yeah late 2000 early 2001 yeah so you know the, people are wanting action and adventure and and all that stuff and they're not going to get that with a reading comic book uh let me digress a little bit because it, it relates to this um i went to a panel at emerald city this year about writing about fiction writing that's right yeah and i know i've shared this before i can't remember if it was on th- this this title or on arc reactions um but that basically explain to you how to write serialized story like you would for, say, television or for a, a novel series. You have 70% of your novel is the main plot of this story, which is the action, the, the adventure, you know, the stuff you're saying that playing devil's advocate, that that's what they want this comic to be. You still have that 30% to play with with A and B stories, which is the relationship with Barbara, which is Learning her, her to trying to trying to be a normal person outside of outside of the mask. Yeah, I say that thirty percent is where you put the learning to read and learning to talk, and you still accomplish this, and it's not boring. Yeah, and that could be very compelling too. Now to touch on that, and this is something that touches on the trying to have a normal life is completely thrown out the window here. Yeah, and we see that with the next her next character progression point, which is that her identity is compromised in this story at the end, in the last two issues, when she's uh, dealing with the, the, the government sniper guy. Yes. And that is a very interesting direction to go. It seems to me like... Uh, now, you said you thought Batman seemed okay with this and maybe even encouraging? I don't, I don't even think it was maybe even encouraging. It was straight encouraging. He said, good, it makes you a more effective crime fighter to her when you find out that she's willing to sacrifice her identity to to fight crime to me that was him making the best of the situation as it was see and and i mean you're talking about a very stoic very 
uh, concealed character in Batman, so it very well could be. But it just didn't seem that way to me because there was no expressive intent that he was like, oh, wow, okay, well, I guess this makes you a better crime fighter. It was more like, good, this makes you a better, good, period. This makes you a better crime fighter, period. No ifs, ands, and buts, just this is the logical progression. Except I don't think he thinks it's a logical pro- uh, progression uh, for someone's personal identity to be outed. Well, no, I'm not saying logical progression, and that's not more mean like this is this has happened, and that's what he wanted. Whereas I think it creates a good bit of conflict. I think this could be a good thing because it creates a good bit of conflict between Batman and Barbara. Oh, that I definitely could see. Because Barbara was very frustrated with her having sacrificed her identity, and she expresses such like, you'll never be able to go to high school. If you want to do normal things like go to high school, get a a learner's permit or driver's license, she said so. Uh, Cassie said so. So So, I don't know. I think it would be very interesting with – with Barbara being the more she's a she she's still a human being, and Batman viewing her solely as a crime fighting weapon. Yeah, um, I I think I mean we'll obviously talk about Batman more when we when we get to that talking point. But I I think talking about the differences between Batman and Barbara, they definitely are approaching Cassie in a t- completely different way. Barbara is approaching it as this is the the new me. You yes, know, this is what I was, and I wanted to have both. Barbara Gordon life and Batgirl life. So I feel like even though she doesn't see that that she needs to be Cassandra Cain, I I know that she should be doing both, and I want her to be doing both. Yeah. And Batman, who, while he is Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne is an afterthought most of the time for Batman. Re- realistically speaking, Bruce Wayne is is the mask. Yeah. If you go into that whole thing about. Batman is is how he sees himself all the time, and yeah, Bruce Wayne is the mask. That that really highlights what what I'm what I'm Drives saying here is that to him, Bar- Batgirl is the primary thing, and he sees oh well, here's a whole set of distractions that have been removed. You can be a better Batgirl. Yeah, you know, and there's that scene in uh, Batman Beyond, which I know John, you absolutely love, uh, where Bruce, where someone's infiltrated the Batcave and calls. Batman by Bruce Wayne. He said, I knew it wasn't my voice because I never call myself Bruce Wayne. Terry McGinnis says, what do you call yourself? And Bruce just looks at Terry, gives him a look, and, and Terry's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so he thinks of himself it, he when Batman. he's thinking as Batman. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned getting her her own cave at the end of the story. I want to talk about the pacing, unless you have more to say about the cave. Yeah, I really don't. Okay. I want to talk about the pacing because this seemed to go incredibly fast. I mean, we're at what fourteen issues of this story, and all these things have already happened. <laughs> yeah, it is it is at a fevered pitch at this point. And in, in the first arc, we have her losing her superpower basically in our first trade, first grouping of comics. In the second grouping, she has her own freaking bat cave. She's got her powers back, kind of, and she has a bat cave. And and I know this is something we've talked about in. Um, in other stories we've done where it's a solo book and they're part of a team of how a lot of times the solo book seems a little off because there are things that happen where they really should be using the team and they don't want to pull a team into the solo book. Um, Iron Man armor wars. Yeah. That, that's our primary example for it's really poorly done. Mm-hmm. This seems to be really, and I think this maybe is why we're seeing her more as a Miss Mail character in in this story than we were in, say, No Man's Land, which was more of a team story, is they're really hammering home that she's working on her own. Like but, The only person really in this book other than her is Barbara Gordon, and then, you know, Batman pops in occasionally. But I think, you know, I think it, it really works for this. This is a good example of how it should be done because, yeah, she interacts with Batman. But Batman's already got his established stuff going on. She interacts heavily with Barbara Gordon, and Barbara Gordon is the perfect person to have her interacting with because Barbara can't go out and fight crime. Yeah, and Barbara is the same person in all the stories, yeah. and she doesn't have her own book, so it makes sense to for her to be in pretty much all the other books. Yeah, I, I think this is if you're going to have a character who's part of a team o- operating mostly on their own, this is the way you do it. This is a clinic on how it should be done. Yeah, I'm not saying it, it, it's poorly done no, oh, no, by, no. by I, any means. I'm, I'm just accentuating the fact okay. that this, there's a reason this isn't a good point, and that is because this is basically how it should be done. If you're going to put on a clinic on how to have this happen when you have a hero that's part of a big team but is operating on their own, this is how you do it. This is what you show. Um, 
to get to something I've said before that I don't remember where I've said it, so I'll, I'll repeat it here. Um, I, I, I feel like what this comic is missing because of the pacing is the, those, um, humanizing elements. Well, that a little bit that, um, but also that the story where she's, she takes out, uh, just takes out a group of, of thugs, you know, a single issue where, excuse me, the action isn't the focus, the, the A or B plot, the humanizing element, the, the learning to read the, the, all that stuff is kind of the focus, but she's also, you know, at night taking out uh, a bank robbery or something, you know, like the opening scene of, of Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. Something where it's not a challenge to her in the in the costume. The challenge is in some other aspect of, of, of the character. And I feel like because of how fast this is going, we're maybe missing out on that. And I feel like maybe if we'd stretched these four things that we've covered into four trades... We'd we'd have a much richer um, character than than we have right now. I I agree with you. It's it's when you have a pacing this rapid fire, which is exciting and fun. You do tend to lose a lot. And you have to make mini cuts, and one thing that unfortunately got cut is character development as a human being. Yeah, and but but don't get me wrong. I love the story. Oh, yeah. as it's going. I just feel like we need maybe a few more down moments uh, to just kind of. Let us, let it, I mean, I already love the character. Yeah. Um, but let us learn to love the character even more. You know, let us let us not say, oh, well, this is this is this is female Batman, or this is you know Batman light, and that's why I love it. You know, let 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 the character shine through. You know, let the character become something original. You know, and how long have we had Nightwing around? Thirty oh, plus years. If you only count him as Nightwing, not to mention all the time as Dick Grayson as a uh, Robin. Yeah. So I mean, if you if you you can go back seventy five years for the the character, but yeah, Nightwing Nightwing identity for thirty plus years. I feel like we've got it that that pretty well solidified as his own character. You know, Batgirl. This Batgirl, Cassandra Kane, has been around what two years at this at the most. At the most, yeah. No Man's Land, and then this. Yeah, I I just feel like. I feel like the, they're sacrificing that that human, the additional points to the character that would make her that much better. And maybe, I mean, we know at some point this character goes away. Um, maybe would have kept this character around more. Yeah. Well, she stays around as Black Bat, I believe, is her identity of the New 52. I don't think she's in the New 52. She's not. I thought she was. I thought she was Black Bat. Um, at, at least, in, is Batman Incorporated in New 52? Batman Incorporated was not... Technically, okay. in New Fifty Two, it started before New Fifty Two, which is now post Flashpoint universe. Yeah, um, but it finished uh, during post Flashpoint universe, but it wasn't officially tied in with with that. Yeah, I'd have to do my research and see if she exists in New Fifty Two. You're right; I, I'm not sure if she does. I said if she does, she's Black Bat, but I can't recall. I, I'm pretty sure she doesn't because the once Batman Incorporated ended, those characters were kind of shelved. Um, which is unfortunate because there are some characters in there that that are probably interesting and would be nice to see uh, continue. Maybe we will now that with the uh, post uh, convergence, um, they've kind of reopened everything again. So maybe we'll get to see some more of that uh, here after uh, convergence. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting to see where it goes. We'll we'll have to, but yeah, this is definitely a character that has a lot of potential and is a lot of fun. Yeah, and I would definitely, if she is not back in post-Flashpoint, I would love to see her come back and stay. Because in that Convergence story, we saw some characters from the past that we hadn't seen in a while, but we're not sure they're going to stick around. Yeah, so we'll see. Convergence is weird. Yeah, we'll, we'll move on here to our, our next talking point. So now we get to talk about the art. Um, and this <laughs> is the point where where I said we'd talk about how expressive they draw Batgirl. Yeah. Uh, she seems... Honestly, she seems very the odd one out when it comes to the Bat family in just how they draw her. She smiles a ton. I, I think if there's a, a, fa- a Bat family character that you could closely relate that to would be uh, Drake. Tim Drake? Tim Drake, which is my favorite Robin. Yeah, so, but, you know, and, and post everything happening, Oracle. She's very, very much like Barbara Gordon. Even when Barbara Gordon was a Batgirl, she was much happier in kind of that sort of way. 
And maybe that's why they made her this way. Maybe it is a bit of a legacy aspect to the character. Um, but honestly, it makes me really gravitate to the character in in how how lighthearted the character is for what she started out with. Yeah. I mean, look at what David Kane did to her. Look at, I mean, obviously that murder really affected her as we saw with the flashback in this story um, and kind of motivated her towards the direction she's been going. But just, she's not, she's not a Debbie Downer about it to borrow no. a, a phrase. Like she, she's still upbeat. She's still, um, optimistic i mean she hasn't been beaten down like sometimes we see with batman where he can be you know very pessimistic and morose yeah like (laughs) she's still she's still kind of the heart of the team i would say good use of the word morose by the way yeah i like that word it's a good (laughs) word yeah she's very much as as we mentioned and like i said i kind of relate that to how barbara gordon was when she was back it was all about the adventure it was about the excitement uh Tim Drake, very much a happier character. He had his dad was still in the picture, so he's kind of a happier character. Very intelligent character, very happy. And, you know, as you said, she smiles a lot. She's got very expressive facial features. She does a lot of uh, using body language because she can't talk or has very limited uh, speech capabilities. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of awesome to see. Now, one thing I didn't like about the art, at least in this story arc, is it was really hard to follow a lot of the fights. It was just... You know, really weird how they drew them and weird angles and stuff. Yeah, there was a couple times where I I got lost and I'd, like two or three panels later, I'm like, okay, I don't know how they got there, but <laughs> all right, we'll we'll pick up from here. Yeah, I, that's you know, if there's one thing we didn't like is art wise. It's the the, the fights. choices they made for for because I mean. In comics, you're taking snapshots of of moving action. Yeah. I would say it's the choices they made to snapshot that it didn't seem like they chose the right moments. The, the, yeah, it didn't seem like they they paused on the right frame. Yeah. Um, and as I said, for a character that is expressive and has limited speech capabilities, having Batgirl in a full face face mask with no means to show facial expression. It's kind of a, a misstep, in my opinion. I mean, I get it, because she was trying to really hide her identity during No Man's Land. Yeah. But now, um, I would like to see in Trade 3, she lose the Sonon uh, mouth coverage piece. Yeah. I'm okay without the eye, without the eye slits, you know, if you want to make a stylized choice like that to really differentiate it from, say, Batman's suit. Yeah. Um, as well as there's no gray on it. I think Batman's suit has quite a bit of gray at this yes. point. Um, but just, just get rid of the mouthpiece. Um, it's not necessary now. And I think that would really open up, open it up for the character. Uh, I mean, obviously that suit is very iconic and recognizable just because of how different it is. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it deserves a modification at this point going forward in her, in her title. I agree. So next thing we have is Lady Shiva. And, and once again, this is in the other talking points. Is things we're just kind of discussing back and forth. Things we weren't sure if they were necessarily good or bad. Or things we disagreed on. Or yeah, and I think this is one we might disagree on a bit. Um, from your impression, how long did it take her to teach Batgirl how to read movement again? Here's the thing, and this is extremely frustrating. There is no t- frame of time. Because she goes, and I don't think that it's even ended. I think at the point where... Uh, after the guy get shoots the the her, his boss after he kills her and Batgirl fails, I think she's still training. I think she's still training with Shiva. Uh, that's an interesting thought. I had not really considered that because she disappears from the book completely once. One, after that conversation, once Batgirl says yes, I, I'll accept your offer, Shiva just disappears. Yeah, there's no tie-in there's no showing the training and and i think this is a bad thing montage montage i don't we don't need a training montage but gonna just, need a montage <laughs> gotta, uh, gotta jock rocket <laughs> um to, to coin a pat oswald phrase uh but you yeah, know uh i think it's an ongoing thing i think she's disappearing to go train but she apparently obviously doesn't just disappear disappear uh not shiva batgirl because you know she's still beholden to to Barbara Gordon. And now that you bring that up, it sheds new light on that scene with the metahuman. Possibly she wasn't fully back to her body reading ability. And that's why that. she was, <laughs> that's why she wasn't able to p- potentially stop it. Yeah. And that's a good point. I had, you know, even in, I probably would have arrived there eventually, but yeah, 
maybe she threw herself harder into the training at that point. But yeah, it's one of those things where, I don't know, it, there's no real frame of time. And I really would have liked to see the training stuff because it could have led really nicely into the ultimate fight between Shiva and, and Batgirl. Yeah, and also there's a point where they could have, if that is the direction it's going, if if it is a continuing training and not, she spent five minutes, flipped a switch, and now Batgirl's back, which is what it seemed like from my reading the story. Um, but if she was doing continuing training with Shiva, that point where she declines to go out with Barbara, if we'd seen her leave, because it looked like she just was going to train in the apartment. Yeah. It didn't look like she was going to leave, but if she was going to leave at that point to go training, that would lend more credence, I feel, if that is what they are doing with the with the training with Lady Shiva, yeah, I think that's what my thought. You know, my my train of thought was is I agree basically what you just said, but I really would have liked it to be more. This is what's happening instead of leaving it extremely ambiguous. Okay, let, let's let's move on since we don't have a definitive answer for that, and we both <laughs> feel like a continued training is probably what would need to occur, and yeah. hopefully that's what they're doing, and we just haven't been informed of it yet. I think it'll be interesting to see the fight in a year between Batgirl and Shiva and how that is resolved. And that's definitely a fight I want to see. Yeah, that is the fight I wanted to see, not necessarily the fight we got at the beginning of the story. Like, I was really frustrated after reading that first issue. Um, I, I didn't continue reading at that point. I read one issue that night, then went went to bed, and then picked <laughs> up the rest of it, like, the next day or something. Yeah. Um, but I was really frustrated by that first issue based on how I felt after the last arc that we did yeah because it's like oh great you take away her powers then you make her fight lady shiva her with her powers fighting lady shiva would be awesome oh it would be insane it would be amazing and so it's great that they're teasing it out that maybe we might get it at some point in the comic but i was a little frustrated with that original fight because it's like no no this is this is not what i wanted to see now imagine having to wait a month well it's going to be longer than that i'm sure well, no, I mean, between oh, between eight. that that story and the next story. Yeah, imagine having to wait a month between the first issue and the second issue, and how infuriating that would be. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. With, I think if I had to buy this comic monthly, I think at some point I might have got frustrated and just been like, "All right, I'm done with it." Yeah, I don't like take what they're it doing. out of your pull box. I'm don't, I don't like what they're doing. I'm I'm going to read something else. Yeah, unfortunately, and that's the the risk you make you take when you make teases like that. I think, you know what, if they ever did show that fight, I really hope they do because that is definitely one I would love to see a not just fighting able like she was uh, Batgirl, but also able to communicate, excuse me, communicate and talk and express and, you know, all the things she gained by losing her powers and then having her powers. Yeah, I will say that I feel like if we do get this fight in in the form that I was hoping to see with her having her powers from from the beginning... I think we will have a lot more pathos to the fight now based on what they've done. So I can yeah. give them credit for that. Definitely, definitely. I hadn't thought of that. That's a good point. <laughs> um, is there anything more you want to say about Lady Shiva? No, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's as I mentioned earlier, spoiler alert, that's her mom. So maybe that's uh, something that comes back before the fight or during the fight. That, you know, that way you don't have to kill off Shiva, who's a phenomenal character. You don't have to kill off Batgirl. One thing I will say about Lady Shiva, and this is not necessarily particularly her, but just a generalization. There's a couple people Batman's trained with that he doesn't agree with, Lady Shiva being one of them. I think yeah. we saw that in Nightfall, wasn't it? Yes. After uh, he returned to his back was magically healed. Yeah. He trained with her again to get back into into shape. That was Nightfall. Um, I think that was the point in the story, wasn't it? Yes. Okay. Um, so we've... And you, he talks to her as like, yeah, I really... I'm only doing this because I need to. I I am still 100% in disagreement with you. Yeah. It seems like we get a little bit less of that with Batgirl. She seems to be... Malleable? Not not that, just that she seems to care less about where her training comes from as far as morality-wise. Um, she just wants the training. Yeah, she just she just wants the training. I mean, she she obviously cares a little bit because she, she thinks that she won't go to Shiva's... Uh, um, she won't kill Shiva yeah. during that duel, so she's resigned herself to die. But it's just, I, I, I really don't like this aspect of uh, the, the bat people who won't kill need to be trained by people who are willing to kill. Like, can't they find someone who's really good at it, who lines up with, with their beliefs? I, I think it's one of those things where the people who are willing to kill are the ones who train the hardest in that form. Ray Shal Ghul and the League of Assassins, uh, Lady Shiva, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think the thing is they they basically embrace the philosophy of death, 
as a natural conclusion or logical conclusion to that style of fighting. I guess. I don't know. It just is a little bit of minor irritant for and, me. And it could be the thrill. These are people who they've trained so hard because there's that thrill. And it's like people who, who are adrenaline junkies looking for the next high. You know? Yeah, I, I suppose. You think maybe they didn't start out that way. Maybe they became that way over their I'm time. Th- not necessarily start that way. I'm not saying they didn't start that way. I'm not saying Rachel Ghoul wasn't a murderous so-and-so from the get-go, but you know. I mean, he's an ideal uh, villain, which we've talked about before, I yeah. know. Um, his one, I, I'm a little more accepting with than some of the other ideal villains, because he really does have a good end goal. He just goes about it a little too aggressively. Doing all the wrong things for, at least in his mind, the right reasons. Yeah, to get to the right conclusion but he'll go the wrong path to get he, there he's a hero in his own mind <laughs> yeah which i know is your favorite type of yes villain. it is yes it is um, okay <laughs> uh, that, that's all i really wanted to say is I, i'm always a little bit irritated when lady shiva shows up because we get that although we didn't this time so i'm mm. i'm good with that we get that kind of well i i don't agree with her and she's bad because she's willing to kill it's like uh, that gets old after a while yeah i concur and thankfully we didn't get that in the yeah. story so next thing we have is Batman. And first thing we have is the bad thing. His weird vengeance trip to visit David Kane, which eventually led to Batgirl confronting him. Now the whole reason, at least that we're told, he goes to wherever it is David Kane is. I think it's like it looks like an Asian island or something, but no, I, not really told. Yeah, how quickly he got to the got to Gotham when looking for the tapes made me wonder, but then when I reread it, it's pretty obvious it's still Asia because of uh, when David Kane's in the bar and who's who else is in the bar. Yeah. So it's still somewhere in Asia. But he he goes to confront David Kane over the death of two c- policemen during, I guess, No Man's Land. So that's I, what I was thinking. I'm yeah, that, sure. that's John and I's best estimation, but... He's going to kill, going to confront Kane over two cops he killed a year ago. It's like that seems like a really convoluted and unnecessary storyline to take Batman down for this. Now, didn't Batman get sent the tapes to the Batcave at the end of the last Batgirl story? Yeah, he did. He had a copy of the tapes. So that's, I think, his real reason for going over there. Yeah, it's, it's really weird and it's convoluted and didn't feel natural to the characters. Didn't feel natural to the story. Oh, I think he wasn't quite sure if they were real. So I think then when he found the tapes over there and saw they were real, yeah, that maybe set him off the final amount to really beat the crap out of David Kane. Even though he got a few blows in too. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, he better, or yeah. else it's even worse characterization of, of that character, David Kane. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we do have a good thing here for him. Uh, he, he has a very protective and mentoring relationship with Batgirl. He while he is pushing her hard, it's still it's not like, you know, I I hate to use this or to pull from another universe, but Servus Snape and Harry Potter, when Harry Potter is getting trained by Servus to resist uh, having Voldemort invade his mind, it's not a nurturing relationship. It's not a mentoring relationship. It's it's beating him up until he get, he does it basically. Yeah, and we've seen that um, a number of times is how people get trained in in. Various stories of yeah. I'm just going to beat you up till you figure out how to stop me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's not quite a fatherly relationship with which you know he has kind of a fatherly relationship with depending on the Robin you know yeah depending on the Robin it's actually his son or adopted son or um, same I, type of relationship but he has his own family and Tim Drake yeah I was going to say Tim Drake doesn't really fit that mold but it's very much fits for all the other Robins yeah I was going to say uh, Dick except spoiler Dick, Jason Todd and uh, and Damien all fit yeah. that mold yeah I definitely did like that it wasn't that same relationship because that relationship gets contentious often between yeah. the Robin and the Batman and I really hope that this Batgirl Batman relationship does not get that way I think he's treating her more like he tra- he treated Barbara Gordon yeah where she was capable and she didn't she was old enough to not really need to be baby the the father daughter relationship it's more of a, a mentor um junior like a like a senior junior re- yeah. relationship in a job and, where and, where Batman knows more and he's teaching the the junior 
Officer. additional things on the job training. Yeah. But the junior is still capable of doing a lot of the work. And, and, you know, maybe he learned from his relationships with Robin where, like you mentioned, it gets contentious or the Huntress where it's a very antagonistic relationship there. And I'm glad you brought up the Huntress because I did want to bring that up. This is a polar opposite relationship yeah. to, uh, between Batman accepts Batgirl. Batman really contentiously disagrees with the Huntress, which is a thing I think I've pointed out when we've covered the Huntress that I don't particularly care yeah, for. Yeah, it's like he was willing to like immediately uh, put the blame on Huntress and lock her down, but knowing that Batgirl has killed someone, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that sucks. Well, here we go. Let's keep going. I, I mean, it is slightly different in that she was a child and didn't really... And, and honestly, if you, you can see in the film uh, that she is really upset by it. Yeah. So I I think he realizes that that was more David Kane than anything. So he's yeah. not holding that against her. But I can also see what what your point there that he holds more against Huntress than he probably should. I agree. Yeah, exactly. And he holds less against Batgirl than he maybe should. Yeah, that, exactly my point, man. So yeah, I don't know. It's it seems hopefully that's a relationship that grows to more accepting, even though different. But yeah, no, I I do like the relationship that Batman and Batgirl have as a you know mentor student almost. Now it'll be interesting to see how it goes because a lot of times these relationships have revolved around time in the Batcave, and now that Batgirl has her own cave, which Robins have never had to my knowledge. No, um, I think the mentor relationship may even be Dwindle. less yeah. because she'll be doing her own thing. And only when multiple bats are needed will you see them kind of interact or if Batman has information he needs to get to her that somehow doesn't come from Oracle because it seems like that's where that information should come from. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it seems like now having her own cave, maybe we'll see even less interaction between them. Yeah, I don't know. And that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. And that's kind of disappointing because I really – that's a phenomenal point. I'm mad that you had it. I'm mad that, one, I'm mad that you thought of it and I didn't. I'm mad that that's what happened, and that's basically what looks like is going to happen. Dang it, John. <laughs> I'm blaming you for this. <laughs> okay. I, I'm, do you have more about Batman? Because that's, no, that's I, the last point we had. I think that's that's it for us. Uh, Dylan, you want to go ahead and just give us your final thoughts on it? You know, this is a middling story, but it had some really interesting development. It had things that, obviously, John and I both didn't like had a lot of stuff we did like, you know, as you can evident between the size of our bad portion and the good portion. Uh, I think this, it's definitely a story that had me wanting to read more, especially the fight, the the looming fight, the sword of Damocles h- hanging over her head with the fight of Shiva. Yeah, good reference, right? Are you going to explain that? <laughs> no. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> Education Alley is over. <laughs> Look it up. Sword of Damocles. I'm sure we can find another alley around here to go educate people <laughs> in. Um, so, I, I, you know what? While it is a middling story, it definitely has some cool points. That being said, I have to give it seven and a, seven and a half mouthless bath, bat masks out of ten. Seven and a half Batgirl masks? Yes. Okay. Um, I agree with most of what you said. I I don't remember what I rated the, the first arc, um, but... While I was frustrated at the beginning of this story, it did kind of win me over by the end, and I definitely do want to read more of Batgirl, and not just because I love the character, because they are doing things with the story. I may not always agree with it, but they are doing things with the story. They are progressing the character, and that is something that sometimes these side character books have a problem with. Even main character books have a problem with it sometimes. Yeah, that's true, but more so the side characters because they're kind of restrained by the main character in a, in a lot of ways. So if the main character is doing something, then the side character kind of sort of has to be involved and can't really be doing their own thing. So I do like that it is treated as its own entity for the most part, minus that one crossover episode that, that we didn't re- reference because it had nothing to do with either this story or the crossover story. Um, but I, I definitely think that this was better than the first arc, because they kind of rectified some of the things I didn't like about the first arc. But like you said, it's not it's not a great arc on its own. It definitely does have its problems. So um, I would agree with your rating. I'll give it uh, seven and a half scoldings from Batgirl <laughs> out of ten. Oracle. <laughs> or, sorry, Oracle, yeah. You knew uh, what I meant. Yeah, so what did you think? Agree with us? Disagree with us? Think we're out of our gourd? Leave a comment and feedback. On the episode page at thebatmanuniverse.net. The Batman Universe. 
home for all things Batman. Yeah, and be sure to check out all that we offer at thebatmanuniverse.net. There are a myriad of podcasts, including the Comic Cast, Batfans, Batgirl to Oracle, and Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake, which you should probably be listening to, Dylan. I do love the Drake. <laughs> uh, while there, read some reviews of recent comics and get your Batman news from television, film, and video games. If you like what we have to say and would like to hear more of us on our beautiful dulcet tones... And our wonderful singing. Yes. Please check out our other podcast, Arc Reaction Podcast, which can be found at arcreactionpodcast.blogspot.com. And we'll leave you with the credits here. Batgirl, A Night Alone, Volume 1, number 7 through 14, October 2000 to May 2001. The writer was Kelly Puckett for every episode but, or excuse me, every issue but issue 12, which was written by Chuck Dixon. Artists were Damian Scott. Corey Turnbull for issue 11, and Dave Eaglesham. Dale Eaglesham. Dale Eaglesham for issue 12. The editors were Joseph Illich was the associate editor for 7 to 11. Frank Berrios was the assistant edit- editor for 12 and 13. Denny O'Neill was the main editor for 7 through 13. And Michael Wright was the main editor on uh, issue 14. All right, thank you guys for listening, and join us next time for our next story. Thank you.